Hello. This is R.J. Deacon, reading the Supreme Court of the United States Opinion Syllabus in United States v. Tsiarnev, certiorari to United States Court of Appeals for the First Circuit. Argued October 13th, 2021. Decided March 4th, 2022. If you'd like to support the podcast or me, um, stay tuned to the end of the podcast. On April 15th, 2013, brothers Dozakar and Tamerlan Tsiarnev planted and detonated two homemade pressure cooker bombs near the finish line of the Boston Marathon, killing three and wounding hundreds. Three days later, as investigators began to close in, the brothers fled. In the process, they murdered an MIT campus police officer, carjacked a graduate student, and fought a street battle with police during which Dozakar inadvertently ran over and killed Tamerlan. Dozakar eventually abandoned the vehicle and hid in a covered boat being stored in a nearby backyard. He was arrested the following day. Dozakar was indicted for 30 crimes, including 17 capital offenses. To prepare for jury selection, the parties proposed a 100-question screening form, which included several questions regarding whether media coverage may have biased prospective jurors. The district court declined to include a proposed question that asked each prospective juror to list the facts he had learned about the case from the media and other sources. According to the district court, the question was too unfocused and unguided. Following three weeks of in-person questioning, a jury was seated. The jury found Dozakar guilty on all counts, and the government sought the death penalty. At sentencing, Dozakar sought mitigation based on the theory that Tamerlan had masterminded the bombing and pressured Dozakar to participate. In an attempt to show Tamerlan's domineering nature, Dozakar sought to introduce the statements of Ibrahim Tozadev, who had alleged during an FBI interview that years early, earlier, Tamerlan had participated in a triple homicide in Waltham, Massachusetts. The government asked the trial court to exclude any reference to the Waltham murders on the grounds that the evidence either lacked re relevance or alternatively lacked probative value and was likely to confuse the issues. The government also pointed out that because FBI agents had killed Tosadev in self-defense after he attacked them during the interview, there were no living witnesses to the Waltham murders. The district court excluded the evidence and the jury concluded that six of Dozakar's crimes warranted the death penalty. The Court of Appeals vacated Dozakar's capital sentences on two grounds. First, the court held that the district court abused its discretion during jury selection by declining to ask about the kind and degree of each prospective juror's media exposure. As required by that court's decision in Patericia v. United States. Second, the court held that the district court abused its discretion during sentencing when it excluded evidence concerning Tamerlan's possible involvement in the Waltham murders. Uh, the Supreme Court held the decision below is uh, reversed and remanded, and the Court of Appeals improperly vacated Dozakar's capital sentences. The district court did not abuse its discretion by declining to ask about the content and extent of each juror's media consumption regarding the bombings. Jury selection falls particularly within the province of the trial judge, that's uh, Skilling versus United States, whose broad discretion in this area includes deciding what questions to ask prospective juries. See Moomin versus Virginia. Here, 
The district court did not abuse that discretion when recognizing the significant pretrial publicity concerning the bombings. The court refused to allow the question at issue because it wrongly emphasized what a juror knew before coming to court rather than potential bias. That decision was reasonable and well within the court's discretion. The rest of the jury selection process in this case dispels any remaining doubt. The district court used the 100-question juror form, which asked prospective jurors what media sources they followed and whether any of that information had caused them to form an opinion about Dozakar's guilt or punishment to cull down the number of prospective jurors. The district court then subjected those remaining prospective jurors to three weeks of individualized voir dire, including pers- er, questions that probed for bias. Finally, the court instructed the prospective jurors during voir dire and seated jurors during trial. Um, sorry, finally, the court instructed the prospective jurors during voir dire and the seated jurors during trial that their decisions must be based on the evidence presented at trial and not any other source. The Court of Appeals erred when it concluded that the district court abused its discretion by failing to put Dozakar's proposed media content question to, to the jury. Following its decision in Pateresia, the court concluded that it had supervisory authority to require the district court as a matter of law to ask the jurors that specific question. The supervisory power of federal courts, however, does not extend to the creation of prophylactic supervisory rules that circumvent or supplement legal standards set out in decisions of this court. See United States v. Painter. Nor did the district court abuse its discretion in excluding from the sentencing proceedings evidence of the Waltham murders. The Federal Death Penalty Act provides that, at the sentencing phase of a capital trial, information may be presented as to any matter relevant to the sentence, including any mitigating or aggravating factor. That's uh, 18 U.S.C. section 3593C. But the district court may exclude information if its probative value is outweighed by the danger of creating unfair prejudice, confusing the issues, or misleading the jury. Um, See the same. Such evidentiary decisions are reviewed for abuse of discretion. See United States v. Abel. Here, Dozikar sought to introduce evidence linking Tamerlan to the unsolved Waltham murders to support his mitigation defense that Tamerlan was the ringleader of the bombing. That evidence, however, did not allow the jury to confirm or assess Tamerlan's alleged role in the Waltham murders. The district court did not abuse its discretion when it reasonably excluded the evidence for its lack of probative value and potential to confuse the jury. Dozikar's counterarguments are unconvincing. First, Section 3593C does not violate the Eighth Amendment. That provision falls well within the federal government's traditional authority to decide that certain types of evidence may have insufficient probative value to justify their admissions. See Skipper versus South Carolina. And that's Powell J. concurring in the judgment. Uh, And to set reasonable limits upon the evidence, a capital defendant can submit and control the manner in which it is submitted. That's Oregon versus Guzik. Section 3593C sets up a highly permissive regime that allows criminal defendants to introduce a wide range of normally inadmissible evidence and channels that evidence through an individualized balancing test that affords a capital defendant every reasonable opportunity to place relevant mitigation evidence before the penalty phase jury. 
Here, the bare inclusion of the Waltham murder's evidence risked producing a confusing mini-trial where the only witnesses who knew the truth were dead. That the evidence excluded by the district court was considered reliable enough to include in a search warrant has no bearing here. Where the district court was free to evaluate the information independently when deciding whether to admit it under Section 3593C. The dissent recognizes the district court enjoyed significant discretion over its evidentiary decisions, but because this is a death penalty case, the dissent scrutinizes those decisions with particular care to find that the district court abused its discretion. In doing so, the dissent ignores the traditional abuse of discretion standard, which calls for a reviewing court to defer to the sound judgment of a district court, unless the decision was manifestly erroneous. It's General Electric versus Joyner. More specifically, the dissent suggests that a district court presiding over, a death, penal over death penalty proceedings should be more hesitant to find that evidence risked confusing the jury. But nothing in Section 3593C suggests that Congress intended for any such hesitancy. Ultimately, the district court reasonably decided to exclude the evidence under Section 3593C's balancing test. The decision below is reversed and remanded. Justice Thomas delivered the opinion of the court, in which Chief Justice Roberts and Justices Alito, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett joined. Justice Barrett filed a concurring opinion, in which Justice Gorsuch joined. Justice Breyer filed a dissenting opinion, in which Justice Sotomayor and Kagan joined. Except as to Part 2C. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support me or the podcast, please see the uh, PayPal link uh, in the show notes. Find me on Patreon or contact me at RhodesScholar80 at gmail.com. That's R-O-A-D-S, like the truck driving roads and the number 80.